Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, episode 024. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, have you ever felt like your passion is just zapped? Like the things that used to give you so much joy are just duties now? This can hit all the areas of our life, including our relationships and our faith. Is there a way to get some of that life back? Well, three words can help us do exactly that. Have you ever gotten to witness seeing a child on Christmas morning? The energy and the enthusiasm can be a sight to behold. As Andrew will often demonstrate in one of his favorite lines, Mom, Mom, look, it says for ages 5 to 12. That means I can do it. Yes! Thank you, Mommy! You're welcome. And we're just getting started. (laughs) Or a little more to the season that we're in right now. You ever remember what it was like anticipating the last day of school? Well, right now, we are down to two more wake-ups. We've been doing the countdown for a while. I remember, especially being a summer fan, thinking when that last bell rang and I rushed out that door, I was like, yes, summer is here. Bring on the fun. This is going to be so exciting. All right. But what's life like about a month later? I am so bored. (laughs) For all the excitement on Christmas, what happens just even by January 2nd? You got pieces missing out of the game. You got a doll head in the living room and a body (laughs) in the bedroom. And that enthusiasm, that passion just gets zapped. This isn't things that are just limited to dates on a calendar or to toys on a shelf. But it can impact really any part of our lives. It can impact how we are with our hobbies, with our jobs, in our relationships, and yes, even in our faith life. If there's any part of that that you get, you're going to connect with what John is saying to the Ephesians. If you want some kind of something in your life to get some of that passion back, that freshness back, that newness back, John's got some gems of a tip in this letter that he writes to the church at Ephesus. So let's pray, and then we'll dive into it. God, grow us today. Help us to be renewed today through your word. Amen. Well, to steal the words that John is going to use, after much patient endurance, we're finally going to get to a church that has some balance in its letter. We've been checking out the the letters that John writes to the different churches in Revelation. And finally, we've got a church after a couple that have just gotten beaten down of No encouragements, but just, I have this against you, I have this against you, I have this against you. We finally have a church that has done something well. This letter comes out of Revelation 2, verses 1 through 7. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. I know that you cannot tolerate evildoers. You have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for the sake of my name, and that you have not grown weary. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember then from what you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Yet it is to your credit, You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. 
Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. For to everyone who conquers, I will give permission to eat from the tree of life that is in the paradise of God. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, as I said, finally we have a balanced letter. There's some love. There's some lessons. There's something for each of us to gain. Because the Ephesian church, and this is, yes, the church at Ephesus was the church Paul wrote to about 30 years earlier when we read the letter to the Ephesians. Same church. And they do some things very well. But for the things they do well, they are culturally in the middle of a pagan worshiping society. And most prominently within Ephesus is the temple to the goddess of Artemis. Iconic thing to be able to see. But Artemis was basically the goddess of all things feminine. So if you were a woman back in the first century, whether you worshipped or not, you knew of Artemis. And in that culture, at least one of the good things they do is they vet out their teachers. Among pagan worshipping people, they would have false teachers that would come from within the church and from without. And what they would do is they, they had good discernment. They would listen to what a person was saying, and they'd say, no, that's not right. And they'd be able to call them out on it. That's one of the things they did well. We don't know a whole lot about the specific example that John gives, the Nicolaitans. But the idea is, from what I could see, is that they were preaching an idea of cheap grace, false grace. Which basically gets summed up to say, I can sin because I know God will forgive me. Takes the cost of that grace, Christ's death on the cross, and and reduces it to presumption. They did certain things well. They had solid beliefs. They had good doctrine. John says this, that they did this well. They had strong discernment. As I said, when a teacher came to teach, they paid attention. And they were able to discern. They were able to decipher, is this somebody who's teaching the word of God, or is this somebody who's a false teacher? Especially being raised up by Paul, they had a good evangelism system, powerful evangelism. But Paul, when he writes to the Corinthian church, he paints a bigger picture that the Ephesians need to learn learn about. When he says, without love, none of it really matters. Without love, being able to prophesy with with the gift of tongues is like a clanging cymbal. Without love, good discernment would not be able to lead a person to grow any further, any closer to Christ. Without love, powerful evangelism, you would have to have a pretty messed up definition of powerful evangelism. That is the kryptonite of the Ephesian church. That John says that they abandoned their first love. I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Now note at the outset, they did not lose their first love. They abandoned it. They left it. The Ephesian church, the Ephesian Christians did not lose their salvation because of this. Any more than a marriage fails because a husband forgets to take out the garbage. We can actually take what we're going to learn here and pair it with renewing in our faith life and renewing in our relationship life. But the fact they left their first love, it messes with the vitality of the church. John says in the next verse that if this isn't fixed, if you're not changing your ways, repenting from doing this, 
I'm going to take your lamps and you're going to cease to be a church. Oh, you may be a collection of people in a building that the culture looks at and says, yes, that is a church. But it's going to have the vitality of a relationship where two people are married on the outside. They wear the rings, but they have the, a life that follows more closely to roommates than to soulmates. Odds are, in this, the Ephesians became clinical Christians. That they had their good discernment, they had their solid doctrine. They certainly did not have life that was a mess like this. But it didn't grow them any closer to God. I've been kind of in a, a version of this in my early Christian life, when I knew just enough to be foolish. Probably just enough to be dangerous. When I became a Christian in uh, my freshman year of college, a lot of my early teachers were incredibly skilled at defending the faith. They were great apologetic experts. And they would teach me this kind of stuff as I was learning the faith, as, as I was learning Christianity 101. And it was good skills to have, most definitely. But after a while, when, once I kind of got the system down and I knew the right arguments and I knew the questions asked and I knew how to not paint myself into a corner, I got to the point where I started asking, is this all there is? I mean, can Christianity be reduced to a handful of arguments of logic? There's got to be something more. It'd be like a husband who has three really great date ideas. And throughout a life of marriage, they just keep repeating those three dates over and over and over again. And eventually, great as it may be at first, a wife, I'm guessing, is like, is this all there is? Can you come up with a fourth date idea? Now, I'm going to give you a little word to the wise. And I'm going to say this as a pastor. I'm not going to touch the whole date thing. Don't ask that question of Christianity, is this all there is? Because you know how God responds? You just got yourself a ticket to full-time ministry. Let's see what you think then. And you'll learn that's not all there is to it. But you ever felt that way? Where something that you once loved, all of a sudden it, it starts to feel like a chore. Like the joy is zapped out of it. Like the passion that you had for it has waned. And you're just doing things out of a duty or out of a habit. Or maybe even not knowing why you're doing something in any section of your life, this can really work for just about anything. If you ever wanted to have some of that passion reinvigorated, John gives us three re's to be able to do exactly that. That he writes the Ephesian church. The first one that he puts out. Remember. Remember the things that you did when it was new. Now there's a very specific reason why I am saying remember the things that you do. Speaking of the past, the things that you did. Not remember the things you thought. Not remember the things you felt. Not remember the things you daydreamed of. But what did you do when it was new? When you just became a new Christian? When you just started having that passion for your faith? When you were just starting to get those butterflies in your stomach when caller ID had the love of your life's name? What did you do? The second, re. Repent. Recognize there may be certain things of that that you've sort of lost your knack for. Now, I say this in the context of those times when, you know, over the long haul, sometimes our faith goes through these dry spells. Sometimes our relationship goes through these dry spells. If that's not the case right now, great. But hang on to this kind of stuff for that moment when you 
maybe do have, that uh, this doesn't, I'm just sort of going through the motions. Hang on to this so that you have it when those kinds of moments come. And if that's not right now, celebrate the fact that there is some passion now, some life now. But a few weeks ago, we had said, when you face reality, you can finally do something about it. Well, this is the facing reality part. This is the, here's where I am right now. God, I really don't feel it for you right now. I read my Bible out of duty. I pray out of obligation. Here's where I am right now. But the good thing is, that's only the second re. There's the third. Return. Those things that you remembered, that you did when it was new, when it was fresh, when it was vibrant, do those things. Return to doing those things. And this is why I said, remember the things that you do. Because by doing something, you can actually trick your mind to get into gear. A simple example of what I mean by that. Which one would give you more physical energy? Getting up on your feet and walking around or plopping down to binge watch NCIS? <laughs> now, there's times, yeah, you got to binge watch. But physically, if you get up and start walking around, you are going to feel more energy. You can trick your brain into doing it. Same thing here. Maybe it's that you read from a particular Bible. I have one up in my office that I received back in 1996, however many years ago that was. And I remember the room and the passage we were doing for the very first Bible study when I received that Bible. Psalm 139. It's one of the reasons that I hold that psalm so close to me. Sometimes just having that Bible in hand, looking through it and seeing the the passages that I highlighted, faded now probably after 20 years, looking at the questions that I would ask in the margin, it's kind of like, it sort of almost puts me back there and I'm like, yeah. All of a sudden, the vitality starts coming that I felt back when Christianity was new. Maybe you pray in a particular place that when you go back there, it's just, it just starts to come back to you. you. You can't really explain why, you can't really explain how, but it does. Maybe it's sharing your faith or just the idea of praying out loud instead of praying to yourself. These are some of the ways that we can return when it comes to our faith life. But on that other end, our relationship life. And the, the cool thing is, again, this works in both arenas. I was reading Love Dare the other day which if you have seen the movie Fireproof, that is the movie that's built around this book, where there are a series of challenges, a series of dares, that are meant for one spouse to remember their first love, to use John's words, for their partner. And as I was reading through some of the dares, some of the to-dos or or next steps that the author gives, it was kind of enlightening, because it was not brand new stuff. It was not, now you've been married for 25 years, so do this innovative thing that you've never done before as a way of kind of spicing things back up. No, of all the to-dos or the love dares that I read, it was all about remembering what you did before. Remember when you used to call your love up just to say hi. Remember when you would buy them a gift and and surprise them in, in some way just because you could? Things we all probably did in some form or another when we were courting, when we were dating. That 25, 35, 45 years ago, hopefully we haven't forgotten them all, but maybe some of them have just kind of waned off the to-do list. Remember the things you did back then. Works for our relationships. Works for our faith. So imagine what life would be like if we just remembered and returned. 
we might be able to pray in a way where we actually expect God to answer. We might be able to read the Bible with the full expectation that God is going to transform us through it. We might be able to share our faith with somebody. We might be able to share our faith with somebody. We can even just stop at that for some. But we might be able to do it in a way like we had just discovered a new spring of living water. As one of my former pastors had said, when we do this, when we remember and we return to the things we did at first, we can start to live each day like we had the joy of Christmas, like we had the new life of Easter, like we had the power of Pentecost each and every day of our life. When we do this, these simple things, we can get back to having a faith life that is like Christmas morning each and every day, that we can be Christmas morning Christians 365 days a year. Imagine that kind of new life in your life. Thanks again for listening to the Woodland Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. On next week's episode, you ever felt like the low man on a total pole? Like you couldn't do much of anything that mattered because you didn't have power or a stage or a microphone? If so, I certainly get that, and so did the church at Philadelphia. Next week, we'll look at the finale of our Dear Church series and answer the very question, what can God do with little old me? See you next week on the Woodland Worship Podcast. Worship Podcast.